Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I'm Anna David, and I interview actors, writers, musicians, and other creatives about addiction, recovery, and sharing their dark to find their light. Well, I think that all my heroes were drug addicts. This podcast features both the interviews and the stories. The interviews often share the dark. The stories often share the light. Oh, yes. I had eight butt cakes while watching 35 forensic files, but I did not drink. Are you a light hustler? Keep listening to find out. And I was like, really? Like, that's you? That's that's it? That's what I am? I'm just bad at being uncomfortable? So simple, and it also makes me feel like it's such a dick. Well, hi there. Welcome to Light Hustler. It's a podcast about addiction, recovery, and sharing your dark to find your light. I am your host, Anna David. This is a podcast that features, as you know, interviews uh, with oftentimes people in recovery and stories by them told at my live storytelling show. Now, people will ask me, how do you pick the people for your storytelling show? Or oftentimes people will come up to me and ask me if they can do it. And I'm if you're a regular listener, you understand I just have the same people. I just circulate the same 10 people and they never run out of stories. And that's kind of my point. What I'm looking for are those people who know how to share authentically, who are funny, who um, who are shameless, but are releasing their shame at the same time. It is my um, mission in life to share my darkness, not just because it helps me feel less shame, but because it helps other people. And um, I get amazing emails and messages from you guys. Um, Not all of you. Get to it. I've gotten some nasty ones too. But anyway, um, and that is, they're from people who have been suffering in shame and are happy to know that that we're out there talking about these things we're never supposed to talk about. And the woman... um, in this episode is somebody, um, I don't usually like pluck people from meetings, but I, I, I got to know her in a meeting and she just, she just killed me. She was so honest and she was so willing to go there and you'll see when you listen. So, um, listen to her and you may well be inspired to go out there and share your own dark. I hope so. This is Debbie Hall. You're going to love her. A native of West uh, Texas, she's appeared on uh, film and performed in Dallas as well as in Story Salon. Backstory, I love a good story in Los Angeles. She's written story collections for performance, a collection of screenplays, and several uh, novels. Give it up for Debbie Hall! Well, hi, y'all. I'm sure y'all remember from the last time I was up here that my sobriety date's November 1st, 1984. I know you're saying, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. (laughs) But here's what, here's the thing. 
the significance of this story is that I can remember the detail of this incident that happened in 1984 as though it happened yesterday. Our just is happening now. That's how much I am into recovery. I've been sober since God was a child, but I really am invested in this uh, situation. But here's what came up for me this year. November 1st is my date, but my first date was August the 11th. So as you know, I never took a welcome chip. I wanted them to think that I was an old timer. <laughs> now I have a lot of offense at that. So um, November 1st came and I did not acknowledge that I had an AA birthday, that it was my first day of sobriety. Because back in the back of my head, I'm still thinking August 11th, which was the day that I stopped drinking. But then there was that little situation with marijuana and that messed with my conscience. And so then on November the 11th, I was having a hissy fit because I'm thinking it's November 11th. If I had been sober since August the 11th, I would be taking a chip right now, not sitting here. And I mean, this was what was going on in my head on November the 11th, 10 days later. So I'm at the A&W in Norman, Oklahoma. And you know, you roll down your little window and the little girl comes out on her roller skates and puts a little tray on the window and put your little root beer on there. And this is my inner dialogue. Fuck this program, 12 steps, kiss my ass. This doesn't work, these people are stupid. These sayings on the wall, which the one that I was always seeing was think, think, think. That's all I do is think. This doesn't work. This is crazy. This is insane. This is the stupidest decision I ever made. I don't know which way to go because I can't go backwards because that's not going to work. I don't want to die of alcoholism because that would be ridiculous. And on this goes, this rant in my head. And then I realized that that was my outside voice with the window down <laughs> and the tray on the window and the little root beer. So out comes the little girl on her roller skates, and she says, can I take this tray from you? And I said, yes, you can take the goddamn tray. You can take everything in this life. And I'm just like, nothing's good. Nothing is good. I don't know if y'all have ever experienced that, but even though the outsides are okay, you know, like I'm not destitute or in, under a bridge or anything, but inside, I'm like, I cannot sustain five minutes of good-hearted thinking. Within a minute, we go to the dark side. It's just fucking sucks. So I get in my car and I scream at the A&W, <clears throat> you know, God, what do you want me to do? You need to do something right now because I am going down. I want to kill this car. And I don't mean just damage the car. I mean, somehow kill a car. This is my thinking. So I pull out of the A&W and something takes uh, control of my car that was not me. Y'all, I did not do this. I don't know how it happened. I pull out of the Ray and W, I turn right on Robinson Street, and the next thing I know, I have pulled into the Cerebral Palsy Institute there on Robinson Street. I get out of the car, I go in, and this is me post-rage. So you know there's some mascara problems going on. You know, you know, oh, I'm pretty. And I go into the, the Cerebral Palsy thing and I went, <clears throat> It is November 11th, and I'm just wondering if you all have planned your Christmas program. And they said, uh, no, because we're a cerebral palsy institute. And I said, I would like to plan a Christmas program with the people that are here in this facility. And, they, and this is me with root beer in my hair. And they say, 
well, the, uh, if they're interested, I suppose you could try. And I said, that's all I need. And so they said, they're all in the day room. So I go into the day room and there they are, this assemblage of people with helmets and one in a bed and all of them with braces, you know, and I like, hey kids, let's do a show. And they're all like, okay. And I said, done. And I walk out of there and I get in the car and I go, I don't know what just happened. I don't know what just happened, but I got to get to the six o'clock meeting. So I drive across town to the six o'clock meeting and my other little cohorts who also had gotten sober at the same time I did, there were 14 of us. And I hope that all of you are banding together and cleaving together as we did. We were in small town sobriety. So we were, you know, when you jump out of a plane and you see them all gather and they're all in a big circle, that's exactly what we were, holding on to each other like this. So I go back and I go, y'all, <clears throat> here's what I've done. And uh, <laughs> I found myself at the Cerebral Palsy Institute and we're going to do a show. So together, we all did this thing. I bring my Selectric, that's right. For those of you who don't know, it was an old typewriter that you plugged into the wall and it had a little, and uh, I'm, I'm writing this script and dashing off places. What am I gonna do with these kids? And we gotta be limited. We did a lot of table reads. And, um, and so then, you know, the artistic of us are putting pipe cleaners together to make the little helmets into reindeers. And, and, um, and then we take the kid in the bed and we make him Santa, which was so exciting for him, seriously. And uh, so now we're, ha we're gonna, how are we going to do this bed? We've got to be careful with him. We've got to make it into a sleigh. And uh, we're going to need some presents wrapped and toys and such. And then I go back and I go, okay, and I go to the staff and I go, here's what we're going to do, we have a plan. And I meet with the kids and I say what we're gonna do. And this little gal was in a wheelchair and she said, I want to play Mary. And I said, good. Anybody else, are we all good with that? We golden? Yes. The kid's gonna be Santa Claus, he's like beyond the moon. She says, um, uh, Miss Hall, I am going to walk across the stage and I am going to carry the baby Jesus. And I said, honey, if I can be standing here in the shape I'm in, I'm for it. Her little trainer takes me aside and she says, do not fill these kids with hopeless dreams. Do not tell them that they can do stuff that they are clearly not gonna be able to do. We are the professionals, we work with these people. You can do this show, but I want you coming in here filling their heads full of anything. I went, okay, but I'm not gonna tell a child that they can't do something, it's not my style. So, because again, I'm standing here, and sister, if you knew what kind of shape I'm in, I just tried to kill my car. So, back the fuck off of me. <clears throat> so, December 1st rolls around, and I take a chip for one month. By now, for some reason, I've gained some courage. I don't know why that's connected to this, but on the 1st, I took a one-month chip, and I said, here's what happened. You know, my first sobriety date was August the 11th. I had this situation with pot. I have had this attitude about AA. The only thing I love are my 13 other people and we are hanging on for dear life. And um, I'm gonna take a 30 day chip. And everybody was like, great Debbie. Like they didn't know, like, you know, so, whoa, news. Um, so everything was going fine until December the 11th when I said, 
I was fucking still sober from August the 11th, I'd be taking a six month goddamn chip right now instead of this. So I pull over to the A&W. <laughs> and this time the little girl comes out before I've parked my car and she says, here's a root beer on the house, keep the mug. And just keep your widows, because I'm it just, I'm just railing. I'm just like, it's, it's, nothing's working. It's just like, it was another wave that came and sobriety for me has come in waves. And then the waves calm down and then it becomes like a little gentle drift. And then another wave comes in and then it just kind of settles down. And I just calm my happy ass down for a minute. But I did leave thinking, well, okay, you know, I'm gonna stay with this, but I don't like it. And God, I don't like you. And I don't think it works. And I think I'm way beyond, because look, I'm right back where I was November the 1st, and it's December the 11th. <clears throat> and I seriously have doubts about all of this. And I pull into the Cerebral Institute, Cerebral Palsy Institute, and I get in the door, and the little gal in the wheelchair with her a uh, physical therapist is sitting there and she goes, Miss Hall, stop right there. Don't move. And so I stopped right there and she got up out of that chair with little braces on her legs and she walked over to me. And I just said, oh, I'll never doubt this program. I'll never doubt recovery again because that was for me to share with her, to show me that that was beyond her wildest dreams. And you all know that I have many times said, I hate that phrase because you don't know how wild my dreams are. But for that little girl to be able to stand up was beyond her wildest dreams. And so the next day was the show and we are at the AA clubhouse, throwing costumes, figuring out how to do stuff. We leave to go out of the building to go over to the Cerebral Palsy Institute with everything in tow and this newcomer's coming in, and parking in the parking lot, barely moving, and he says, I thought there was a meeting. I said, yes, there is a meeting. It's at six o'clock. Right now it's one o'clock and we have a show at two, so you're gonna need to get in the car and come with us and you're gonna have to hold the cue cards, which isn't gonna be easy because some of these kids are having a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> and so you may have to help them just a little bit with like the first word. And he didn't have one clue what we were talking about. We just said, get in the car, get in the car. We're all coming back to the meeting, I promise you. We're gonna need it when we're done with this. Get in the car. So we drive over to the Cerebral Palsy Institute and, and this, poor, this poor guy's just sitting over there going, oh, these are the, okay, oh, 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 we're doing a, yeah, I'm saying, yes, the Santa sleigh. Put the things on the sleigh, tape them down, but don't hurt the kids. Make sure that the little, his little, you know, IV thing is, get the beard on, but make sure you don't, dist you know. And so the pageant was fantastic. And that little gal walked across that stage and she carried that little baby Jesus. And I thought to myself, if she can do that, I can stay sober. And I will go through these waves and I will make it work and I will be of service to somebody. And like the words of that song say, if you feel helpless, help somebody. Thank you all so much. Yeah.